Okay. Um, from Philippians, I'm going to continue on in Philippians. And this is, um, I'm actually going to start reading from Philippians 1.18 through the verses that we'll be looking at today. If you want to follow along with me, open your Bibles to Philippians. Of course, Paul is writing, starting in verse 18. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet I shall, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to be depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will be, I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in faith, so that in me. You may have ample cause of glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And then verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Lord Jesus, we we just worship you this morning, and we ask that your word would set our hearts aflame, that would burn within our hearts. For to pray this in Jesus' name. Our Crosswave Celebration Arts team this year has 18 new kids. For a total of about 50 kids, and when you throw in the staff, it's about 75 people. So it's a big group. (coughs) Uh, needless to say, there's always something happening, always something going on. Um, and we found that what we once knew as the Crossway Celebration Arts team has changed. It used to be that 75-80% of the team we would see every Sunday. We knew their parents really, really well. We would see them once a week. And about 20% of the team we didn't know. They were just We only knew them through Crossway. They were friends of, of our kids, that sort of thing. Now those percentages are are more than slipped. More than 80% of the team, we only know basically through Crossway. We see them once a month. And these kids, um, many of them come from family situations are very difficult to handle. And they face a lot of struggles. Uh, Many of them need to stop believing Satan's lies and deceptions about who they are and about what their purpose is in life. All of them need the truth of Jesus to bring light and clarity into their thinking. You know, we really see that they need to have their minds transformed to think according to God's word. And as a staff, we need to be better equipped to help them. So with this in mind, Mary asked Pat to come to our staff meeting a month ago or so to talk about counseling teenagers, what to look for, and to take questions. And to help set the stage, Pat spoke about some of the ministry highlights of her life. 
some of the things that, that she'd grown up with and then transformation and in, in groups of people. And she talked about these highlights and how God had reached many people about their openness and brokenness before the Lord and the healing that followed, that penetrated hearts. I listened to Pat share her experiences and I looked around at the younger staff in the room and their eyes were wide and you could tell they were thirsty and they were drinking in everything that Pat shared. It was really, it was really neat to, to watch this thing happen. The Lord has done much in your life, Pat. And I appreciate what God has done. I appreciate what God has done in Greg's life. And, and in all of your lives, you have stories of God's faithfulness and God's provision and God's guidance and God's correction. And it's all been for the good. And then this question popped into my mind. What are we doing with this? What are we doing with this? This overflowing bounty of God's presence and glory in our lives. With this in mind, I sent out this email to you guys. What are your five top spiritual experiences in your life? Two people responded by email. One was my wife. I really appreciate that. And one was Carla. And Carla said, oh, I'm so sorry we're going to miss the meeting. You can practice on me. And so she sent me her top five. And I'll go ahead and share it with you because she's not here, right? (laughs) Top five spiritual experiences from Carla. Praying at age 14 that the seed planted in me would fall in fertile soil. So any any of you working with teenagers just know that Carla, one of her top five spiritual experiences at age 14 was praying that the word she heard would fall on fertile soil in her own heart. Number two, she decided to follow him at age 21. So there was seven years incubation period. <laughs> Germination period for that to take place in Carl's life. Number three, when God himself told me that he loved me. Four, the day of preparation God gave me in Peru before my testimony. And number five, the day we saw Paul change before our very eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is Carlos. And so, um, what what would you guys say? You know, I, I, I thought maybe we could just divide into groups of four, three, three, four, and just talk with one another. If you've not had a chance to respond to that, then maybe somebody else's sharing will help you. But we'll just take a couple of minutes. I just ask you to get in a group and share with one another what you think are the top couple of spiritual experiences of your life. Now, many of you may say, as my wife did, she said one of the top five things in her life was getting married to me. And that's, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. But for purposes of discussion this morning, if we, if we excluded getting married, uh, watching our children be born, or maybe the day of our salvation. Because we know that those are, gonna be, those are really going to be dramatic occasions. But then just stay away from, and, but, but beyond those three, there's something else. That'd be helpful. 
So can we take a few minutes? Good? Would y'all got to group up and discuss this for just a minute or two? And we'll continue. Please do, please do carry on this conversation over lunch because you really have you have a lot of experiences. But my second question is, how do how do those things that you shared about your spiritual highlights? How does that relate to the second question, which is, how would you define a manner of life worthy of the gospel of Christ? In other words, if you string together all these spiritual highlights, is that the manner of life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Or is it something more than that? Is it something even bigger and better than that? That's, that's really where we're headed with this. So Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Stand up with me. Yeah. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Just a little, thank you. A little demonstration. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. And not frightened by anything by your opponents. So what could Paul mean by this? Some other translations say, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Or, just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Or this one, above all else, you must live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. Or this one. But whatever happens, make sure that your everyday life is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Your everyday life. Or this one. One thing you must see to whatever happens, live a life worthy of a citizen of the kingdom and of the gospel of Christ. So Paul is packed a lot. In here. He is really, he's really giving us a treasure to think about and consider and meditate on. And then he follows that statement with three phrases that provide insight to what he's really thinking. He says, standing firm in one spirit. He says, uh, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And then he says, not frightening anything by your opponents. Now, the, all of these things taken together, can you do those by yourself? I mean, how do you work side by side with somebody by yourself? <laughs> how do you agree together with one mind by yourself? And so he's, he's given us some hints here. So if Paul were writing this letter explicitly to us, to Gateway, would he have said anything differently than what he said already? If he had lived among us and he had came to our meetings and ate at our tables and participated in ministries, what would he have said? To us, that we might live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
Would he try to strengthen and, and preserve each of our own individual faiths? Would he have, is this what's really in view here? Well, I want you to see is that at the top level, these words are plural. They're aimed at a, a, a encouraging a unity among the body to work together in spreading the gospel. You know, he, he's, he's, he's saying strive together side by side, all in unity of one mind. He's not talking to individuals only. He's talking to a collective group of the Philippians and everyone who reads this letter. It's easy to take this and say, well, this, this is just something about me. What I want to get you to think about this morning is about us. To walk in a manner worthy of the gospel is about us. It doesn't leave anybody out. It's about us. One missionary said, we live a life worthy of the gospel when we strive with others with fearlessness and unity for the faith of the gospel. Paul is calling us to something greater than singular expressions of walking in a manner worthy. He's calling us to do this together. There is no I in the gospel. No man stands on his own in the kingdom. Striving side by side together with one mind is God's way. Even a plurality of elders, think about it. Striving together side by side is God's way. Together we are to honor God for his glory and his righteousness. And to help us understand clearly this, this, this thought, Paul chooses a verb that incorporates community right into its structure. And this word striving is the Greek is athleo. Correct, Roger? Athleo. Which means strive. But it adds the Greek word son in the beginning, which means with. So athleo, you get the word athlete. You hear it. Athlete, striving, laboring, with diligence, with perseverance, endurance, with this. So it's, it's about with as, as a corporate community of people. So he's saying to strive together with one another, to exert oneself with another, to labor with discipline and endurance. It's about teamwork, not about self-achievement. So Paul is calling us to focus together for the spread of the gospel, applying the same discipline and effort and endurance an athlete would use to reach their goal. Now, think with me. If this is the kind of life that's worthy of the gospel, if this is the kind of life that's worthy of the gospel, then anything less than this would necessarily slight the gospel, would demean the gospel. Not striving to spread the gospel treats the gospel as cheap and unworthy. If the gospel is the truth of the glory of Christ, without which no one can be saved, then it is the most precious thing anyone can ever know. To live worthily of the gospel, we must become like athletes. Not athletes striving for individual glory and acclaim but athletes pursuing the victory of Jesus in every heart and every life. I think that's what Paul's saying here. This is, this is living in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, none of us will hopefully be measured in honoring the gospel against the actions of the Apostle Paul. I mean, he is a great example. 
He was given great grace. And God called him and said, I want to show him how much he's going to suffer for the glory of my name. He hasn't necessarily told us that. But we will be measured against what could have been done with what God has given us. And if we love the gospel of the glory of Christ, we can all do something. There was a missionary who wrote this as an example of living in a manner worthy of the gospel. Could you say this too? It's a question. I'm motivated not so much by the dire need of the people, but by the conviction that God is worthy of the worship of every person. Christ is worthy to receive the full reward of his suffering. The Holy Spirit is sovereign and can use even us in drawing people to God. For the gospel is worthy of acceptance by all. These words were written by Andrew Fuller in a book called The Gospel, Worthy of All Acceptation. And this is what inspired William Carey to go into the world to share the gospel. So when you did your homework and you answered that email question, did you include this corporate sense to your description of what it meant to live a life worthy of the gospel? I know the first time I answered that question, I did not. But the more you dig into the scriptures, you realize he's talking to this corporate gathering. This is what it means to live life according to the gospel. So let's look at some other passages from Paul, because he's, this is a command repeated in many of his letters. He, he repeats this as, with a, a frequency from Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. So here he says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To me, this seems impossible. You really, if you really take the words at their value, worthy of the Lord. And then it says, fully pleasing to him. Well, it takes faith to be pleasing to God, we know that much. But fully pleasing to God, that seems impossible. Bearing fruit in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power according to his might for endurance and patience with joy. This is an awesome combination of character traits, you know. This is what God's called us to. Giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. I have a note explaining qualify, share, and inheritance. He's qualified us. He's, he's stamped, approved. Qualified to receive a share, a portion, with everybody else, of the inheritance of the saints. So, you know, he's called us to these things and, and he says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And here's a, here's a picture of where you're going, of where what your destination is. So that's, uh, that was Colossians. And then um, in Galatians 5, 16, 17, and 25. Galatians 5. So in a lot of these epistles, he writes this. But everyone is a little bit different. So that one said, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This one says, Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, 
and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These two things are opposed. It says, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And then verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So here, he, he, the, before we talk about walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, here he's talking about walking in a manner uh, walk by the spirit. So we live by the spirit and we keep in step with the spirit. And then a couple of explanations. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, the Spirit is sent to, to make us holy. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. That's his job. And so he talked immediately about not seeking to gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he says, do the things you want to do to be pleasing to God. Don't do the things that you don't want to do. The Spirit is the one that gives us the power to say no. Do the things of the world and to say yes to God. And then keep up with the Spirit's leading and convicting in your life. Don't stop when the Spirit says move. And don't move when the Spirit says stop. Walk by the Spirit. And then in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. So he's, talking, he's comparing it to the manner, of, manner, of, manner worthy of the Lord. Walk by the Spirit. This one says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then a little explanation. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And you can hear again, this is a corporate thing. How do you bury one together, bearing together one another in love by yourself? You can, you can convince yourself that you love everybody until somebody else enters the picture. And then it becomes hard. You know, it becomes hard when there's real life and flesh among you. So here, it's walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Now, calling, if you want to do a study on that, is irrevocable. 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 Yeah. Thank you. That's hard. I have stumbled over that word. It's that, plus it's holy calling, and it's a heavenly calling. That in itself is worthy of some meditation. But then he says, uh, with all clothed with humility and gentleness. So this is a kingdom style wardrobe. Humility and gentleness. When you got dressed for church this morning, did you put on humility and gentleness? With patience, bearing with one another in love. I did that. Yeah, wait, count on it. (laughs) Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You can clearly see the linking of individual characteristics with corporate characteristics here. Humility and gentleness are the traits of a person. But patience and bearing with one another in love and maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace are clearly traits that can only be demonstrated and fulfilled in a corporate sense, in a corporate body. So walking in a manner worthy of your calling It's not just individually walking, it's corporately walking. It's walking together with other people. Then 1 Thessalonians 2. He's going to hit the Trinity here. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11-13. For you know how, like a father with his children... We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. 
So he's the Lord, the Spirit, the calling, and now he's talking about walking in a manner worthy of God. Who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this. He says, we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as of what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So, again, just a, just a little bit of the highlights here. Walk in a manner worthy of God. Now, did you sign up for this? How are you going to do that? Walk in a manner worthy of God. Called to God's kingdom and to his glory. You're called to his glory. You know, we can never lose sight of our future. We're called to glory. And to receive Paul's word as God's word. And let it work thoroughly, deeply within each one of us. Let his word work in us. So worthy of the gospel. Worthy of the Lord. In step with the spirit. Worthy of your calling. Worthy of God. Now tell me. Who, want, who among us is going to do that? Who, who can do that? It's terrifying. Who on earth is worthy of the gospel? Well, there must be something here because, God, because Paul commands it. And he commands it multiple times. We've already read four or five times. But if the gospel is glorious, then to walk, then to be worthy of the gospel in this way of life must be glorious. And if the gospel is glorious, then the walk in a manner worthy of it must be a glorious way to walk. If the gospel is powerful, then this walk must be powerful. If the, if the gospel is filled with grace, then this manner of walking together must be filled with grace. This is why this command is bigger than us individually. It must include others as it is impossible to achieve by yourself. To reach the goal, to reach the highest fulfillment, all of us are called to work this together. This is the glorious, powerful, grace-infused fulfillment Paul has in mind, and it's this that Paul calls us to. Okay? So it's clear that the church can only achieve this together. Now, is that, is that really clear? I mean, I think Paul is calling us corporately to work together, working side by side, to, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. See, you've got, to, you've got to really see that. It's a corporate call. You with me? Yeah? It's a corporate call. But, how could the church fulfill this together if it's not fulfilled in each one of us individually? How can the church, as the body of Christ built from many members... Go to a place together if everybody doesn't go. If every member doesn't go there. So these truths apply to us as a corporate body, but they also apply to us as individuals. As a means, not as the end. It's a means to get to the end, which is corporate. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a getting there process. It's not the end just by ourselves. Each of us is called to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. But this truth works to connect the living of our lives individually to the living of our lives together. And the living of our lives together connects to the value and the worth of the gospel. 
it sounds like I'm talking in circles here, probably. But what I'm really trying to say is that the call is to this corporate working together. The path to get there is individually and, and also corporately. It's a staggering thought, and it makes my heart and mind burn to think about what the Spirit has revealed here. It's like the people who say, well, I don't need to go to church. That is not walking in a manner worthy of the gospel. I don't need to fellowship with anybody because I'm right myself. That is not walking in a manner worthy of the gospel. We must fellowship together. We must pray for one another. We must love each other. We must endure with one another with patience. And I know that you're you're tried by me. And so I I try your patience. But that's part of walking in a manner worthy of the gospel. Worthy of your calling. Worthy of the Lord. Worthy of God is doing this together. And And the reason is, is that that is more glorious. That is more powerful. That is more grace infused than doing it by yourself. It proves a higher glory and honor to God. So are you ready? Are you signed up for this? Are you in? Everybody going to throw their hat in the ring? Yeah, I'm I'm with you here. Let's figure out how we're going to do this. Will this require any changes in you? Anything to be different among you? Does this require any differences? Yeah, I, I made a list here to recap all these words. Living in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ is standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. For some reason, whenever I say that, I think about the Christmas banquet. <laughs> I think of yeah. I think of striving side by side in preparing to host two hundred and fifty people. And I think, God, you, you must be pleased with that. And not that it's a work that's pleasing, but it's the faith that God calls us to work together. It's the faith that pleases God. Right. Not frightening anything by your opponents. You read online about terrorists bombing churches. The one last night in Nigeria. Eight people killed, a hundred injured. If they're walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, they will not be frightened by that. It's hard to say. But that's what the truth says. Fully pleasing to him and bearing fruit in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power for endurance and patience with joy. Ah, I love that. Endurance and patience sounds like a heavy-duty load until it adds that three-letter word joy to it. And then it becomes light as a feather. Somehow. Does it do you? I think that's what God intended. Is that it becomes endurable and sustainable with joy. Joy is the strength is what Nehemiah tells us. Giving thanks to the Father who qualified us to share in the saints' inheritance. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do the things that are pleasing to God. Keep in step with the Spirit. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. Be eager to maintain the unity of spirit and bond of peace. We're called to God's kingdom and to God's glory. And to receive Paul's word as God's word. And let it do its work within us. Let me tell you, we cannot do this alone. We can't do it on our own. We need supernatural assistance and power. 
So let's not misinterpret what Paul is saying and, and create a new set of legal documents that demand our life be filled with correct behavior. Let's not allow this list to become new duties to which we've been assigned. Because new duties has nothing to do with the gospel. It's not worthy of the gospel because the gospel is filled with grace and it's a promise to us given by an all-powerful, conquering, savior, king. But what is at the heart of doing something that's impossible to do? And I think the more I study the scriptures, I realize everything in it is impossible without the grace of God. It's all impossible. It's all unimaginably impossible to do without God doing it. So what's at the heart of doing something that's impossible? Grace. It, it comes down to God's grace. Is at the heart. The heart of this manner of life is seen in those who by God's grace find their worthiness only in what God has done for them through the death of Jesus Christ. Faith looks away from self to the worth and the ability and the strength and the grace of another. Grace calls you to look away from yourself and onto Christ. Because he's the one who walked in the manner worthy of the Lord, right? Jesus is the one who walked in the manner worthy of his calling. Jesus is the one who walked in the manner worthy of God. This kind of gratitude always leads to recognizable transformation in our lives. If you really want your life to change, then have your, your grace fill your life and become a, a person of gratitude and thankfulness to God. These people become quick to acknowledge and repent of their own sin. They desire to humbly serve because Jesus first served them. Their lives are full of forgiveness and patience toward others because God has graciously forgiven them. <coughs> the result is a refined character that mirrors the heart and life of their Savior, Jesus. So walking worthy of the Lord would mean all of us living in a way that shows how worthy and able and gracious and strong Jesus is. You know, all of us working together to show how great Jesus is. That's walking in the manner worthy of the Lord. John Owen, the author, uh, believer from centuries ago, helps us with this thought. To suppose that whatever God requires of us, that we have the power of ourselves to do, is to make the cross and the grace of Jesus Christ of no effect. To suppose that whatever God requires of us, that we have the power of ourselves to do, is to make the cross and the grace of Jesus Christ of no effect. We have to see that it's possible, but only through Christ. Paul gave himself completely over to a manner of life where through courage, Christ would be honored in his body by either death or by life. You know, he said to live is Christ, to die is gain. So he, he put a boundary at now, and then he put a boundary at death and said, I want to honor God either here or there. And now in verse 27, he fills in all the in-between saying, Walk, live in a, such a way that honors God, that's worthy of, your, of the Lord. 
But then finally, in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12, he gives us another dose of hope, another injection of hope. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12 says, because Paul prays for God to act to make these things so. He says, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. That God may make you worthy of this calling. And may fulfill every resolve for good. So you resolve for good and saying, may God fulfill every resolve for good that you make. And every work of faith by his power. So every, every time you labor and you work by faith for his power, he's saying, God's going to fulfill. God, I'm praying that God to fulfill that. So that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I desire for Gateway Christian Fellowship. For us to, together to ask God to renew our desire and faith. To love Jesus and his gospel. To God to renew our desire and our faith to love Jesus and his gospel. Together. To do this together. And as he leads us in this life, that we might stand firm in one spirit. With one mind, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not frightened in anything by our opponents. Can you believe that with me? Would not that be glorious? Would not that be filled with grace? You know, I was struck by um, last night um, we had the opportunity to surprise Tim with a party. And um, it reminded me of, of this article that I, I sent out a couple weeks ago about hospitality. When you speak of hospitality, you're speaking of personal relationships, right? And personal contact and engagement with other people and intimate uh, association with them. Breaking bread together is a very um, special time. Now, I was thinking about hospitality and it's, it's such a giving thing. It's such a grace-filled thing of giving with no expectation of return. And I was, I was thankful for that uh, show of hospitality last night. And, and Tim, was, it probably blessed you, didn't it? It probably filled a need within you to have that given. And uh, I was just asking, God, would you direct our steps? When we, you know, I, I kidded around with Sandy that we're a, we're a seven-campus church right now. We have seven campuses all over the county, east, west, north, and south. We have this county covered with our campuses. And I was just thinking, well, Lord, with this gift of hospitality that you've given us, how do you want to bring these things together, Lord? And then, you know, this, this was the next verse in, in my going through Philippians. And I was thinking, well, let us walk in a manner worthy of the gospel together uh, in our seven campuses, in hospitality. And let's ask God to move. He, he's, he's going to stir up something different. So I'm confident of that. But I'm still, I haven't seen the handwriting on the wall. I don't know exactly what it looks like yet. But this is, the, this is the message I have for you this morning. 
So would you pray with me just for a moment? And let's ask the Lord to um, stir our hearts up. Because we have so many things we can share. But I'll tell you, those spiritual highlights that you have, God has more. Because God wants to link these things together and give us a, a and lead us to a man, a living a manner of life that's worthy of the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, when you, when you did come to earth, you, you didn't come pointing out all of our failures. Yes, Lord, you, you did uh, those that um, those who thought that they were perfect and thought they had uh, their acts together. Lord, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, Lord, you, you did not soften your words towards them. But Lord, the, the rank and file people, uh, you loved them. You cared for them. Lord, you didn't correct their every sentence. You didn't point out their failures every, every time you've met with them. Lord, you loved them. You were gracious toward them. And Lord, you endured with patience, patience all, of, all of their shortcomings. And Lord, I, I just thank you for that. Lord, you showed, you modeled grace for us. So, Lord, we, we come to this scripture this morning about walking, living a manner of life that's worthy of the Lord. And then we see it repeated in so many areas. Worthy of the Lord, worthy of your calling, worthy, walking in step with the Spirit, worthy of God. And we say, Lord, this is impossible. We can't do that. But, Lord, with you, let us not say anything is impossible. So, Lord, I pray that you would awaken within us a new desire. Awaken within us, Father, a new love for Christ. A new love for this gospel that sets people free. And, Lord, I pray that we would not grow weary. But, Lord, we would be encouraged by you, by your presence of your spirit here. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that as we, uh, as we break bread in the bed and enjoy this gift of hospitality, I pray that you would, Lord, stir our hearts to discuss what are these, these uh, highlights of our spiritual existence. And Lord, may, may you increase them. And may the best chapters, Lord, to be written in our, in our book be yet to be written. Lord, I just pray that you would increase the testimony of our hearts of your goodness and of your graciousness. Lord, Lord that you came to save sinners. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we, we, we just, we exalt in you, Lord, because there's no other like you. We rejoice, Lord, in you. We praise together in Jesus' name. Amen.